In uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter, Matthew 7, we've been on this subject for some weeks now. And the Lord is really helping us. Really helping us. Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. Now, most all Christians would agree that you shouldn't judge. But uh, why did Jesus say not to judge? For your own personal benefit. So you won't be judged. He said, uh, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Ever how we treat our fellow man, our, our human being, fellow human being, our fellow brother and sister in Christ. That's how we're going to be dealt with. Verse 3, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that's in your own eye? Now, he hasn't changed subjects. He's still talking about judging. Now, when you, when you talk about judging virtually everybody, even non-Christians, will agree you should not judge. And people are, are most strong on you not judging me. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Don't don't you judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> Some years ago I was in a place and and I was uh, ministering on walking in love. And after the service this lady came and she said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, that's it, that's it. I've been trying to tell all these folks they're supposed to be walking in love with me and they just won't listen. I said, Sister, you missed the whole deal. <laughs> You're not supposed to be trying to listen for other people. You can't listen for other people. <laughs> Can you? You can't hear for them. Where's so-and-so? They need to hear this. Where are they? Well, the Lord knew who was going to be here. And you here. Right? And I'm here, so let's hear for ourselves. So we shouldn't be thinking about you shouldn't be judging me. If you're judging them for judging you, how are you doing any better than them? Judging is judging. We're not supposed to be looking at them or examining them in that regard. We're to consider ourselves that I'm not judging you. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about this, if you bring it up in a situation, oh, let's, let's don't judge them, what is usually the response? Don't judge them. Uh, let's not judge them. What, what people usually re- reply? They'll usually say, oh, I, I'm not judging them. No, I, I wasn't judging them. And, and if you believe everybody that says that, you would wonder why Jesus even said this. Because it's just like it's not a problem. Nobody's doing it. No, the truth is, I would be very surprised and impressed if you made it all week and didn't judge anybody. <laughs> Talking about you. <laughs> And there are numerous, if you hadn't been with us, we've already covered a whole lot of ground. But you will be supernaturally pressured and tempted to judge other people. There's no accident. You have to watch your mouth. And you have to watch your mind. And you have to get a hold of yourself on a regular basis or you will be judging people or you will be joining in with other people that are judging folks. You, you have to watch it. You have to stay on top of it. Because the enemy is actively bringing thoughts and suggestions and temptations and feelings to you on a continuous basis. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants to get to you to hurt you. And the way he, only way he can do that is for you to get judged. And if the way he can get you judged is if he can get you to judge other people, then you're going to get judged. 
and that will give him access to you. Now, if that sounds strange to you, like I said, we've already covered a lot of ground on this. Go online, be the easiest, quickest way, download the previous things. We've gone into great detail about all this. won't cost you anything. But he talks about beholding the mote or speck that's in your brother's eye, considering not the beam that's in your own eye. Keep reading. How will you say to your brother, let me pull out the mote out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye. Now this is making a big deal out of a little thing in somebody else's life, and completely ignoring a big thing in your own life. Reckon you've ever done that. Just look straight ahead and smile. You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) Making a big deal out of a little thing in somebody else's life while ignoring a big thing in my own life. This is judging. You hypocrite, he said. First cast out the beam, the big thing, out of your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to cast out the moat, little thing, speck, out of your brother's eye. Two big keys to not getting judged. One, judging yourself. Two, not judging anybody else. Now, uh, go with me to... Romans, the 12th chapter, and we need to take a little time because there's a theme that runs through the latter part of this book. It's actually through the entire book, but the part we want to emphasize right now, chapters 12, 13, 14, 15 of Romans, this keeps coming up, and I I myself see it clearer now than I ever have. The Lord's showing us things. He's helping us out. And as we read it, you'll see what I'm talking about. Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the what? By the what? Mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Keep on reading. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove whether it's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me. He's talking about mercy. He's talking about grace. To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He didn't say not to think highly of yourself. What did he say? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Now, what is more highly than you ought to? Well, more highly than what's true. Pride is not believing good things about yourself. Pride is believing lies. Believing things about yourself that's not true. Going beyond what's true. Pride is accompanied with deception. Obadiah 3 says the pride of your heart has deceived you. And you cannot separate humility from honesty. You can't separate humility from honesty. One of the big core Issues or or characteristics of humility is that it is truthful. It is honest. Skip down to verse 10. And I'm just, of course, it'd be best for us to read all of this, but it'd take some time to read, you know, these four chapters. So I'm just going to highlight it. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Talking about kindness. Verse 15, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. I believe you're going to see this in a clearer light than we've ever seen this before. 
We know this is true. We know this is right. But so many times things have been taken out of context. When he's saying rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep, what specifically was he talking about? He was talking about being kind to people. He was talking about mercy and grace. Come on, can you see this? Verse 16 gives more light. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. And be not wise in your own conceits. Now this is King James, and maybe a little different than we talk today. But what he's talking about is the same thing James talked about, and the same thing you see in Ephesians and Colossians, we're going to touch on a little bit, is that you are, we're not respecters of persons. We treat everybody the same, and the same way we treat everybody is with kindness. And we are not haughty. How many can see, be not wise in your own conceits, goes with the very first part of the chapter. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. He's still talking about the same thing. Condescend to men of low estate. What is he talking about? He's talking about not seeing yourself as superior. And holding yourself above them and looking down on them. But being willing, even if you are doing better than they are, being willing to reach down. That's acting like God. Come on, can you see this? (laughs) The Lord has reached down from perfect holiness and perfect righteousness into our lives that were so soiled and so stained. Is that right? And yet, aren't you thankful that Jesus, that's what Philippians talks about, he didn't think it was a thing too highly and too prized for him to lay aside. But he laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. Hallelujah. Was born in a stable. Walk down here in the muck where we walk and saved us. Hallelujah. If he can reach down to us, why can't we reach down to somebody else? We were up in the Northeast some years ago, and uh, the pastor, with the pastor and his wife, they were much elder than Phyllis and myself at the time. They were actually the elders in their group, their denomination. And we were driving through a real rough part of town. And there was some rough looking people standing around and doing things you could tell that wasn't, wasn't the best. And the, uh, the pastor's wife looked out the window and she just shook her head. She said, that's somebody's baby. <laughs> that's somebody's baby. That was all messed up on drugs and in sin and in illegal activity and living a bad life. That's somebody's baby. That stuck with Phyllis and me. Should that stick with us? I don't care who they are, where they are in life, how bad it is, how repulsive what they're doing may be to you. God loves them. He didn't love everything they're in or involved in or doing, but he loves them. I said he loves them. They're somebody's baby. They're his baby. He wants them to be his. Right? And you and I do not need to feel superior because we're not in the sin that they're in. So superior that we stand aloof. Let me read that verse again and see if it strikes you in a different way. Verse 15. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Can you see what he was talking about? Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. That's where some of the weeping with them that weep would come in. 
They're in a bad place in their life. They're in a low place. But you are not so repulsed by the problems that it causes you to no longer see them and their value. Jesus ate with sinners. He was criticized. Is that right? He was criticized because of it. But uh, they could tell he cared about them. And there, had, there was never and has never been anybody any more righteous or pure or holy or perfect. And yet he would sit down right beside them. Aware of where they just came from. Aware of what they had just been doing. Come on, are you listening? And he wasn't going to condone any of that or agree with that. But he still cared about them. Hallelujah. Now keep reading. In the 13th chapter, all this flows together, 12, 13, 14, 15. 13th chapter, verse 9, he said, For this you shall commit no adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear us for witness, you shall not covet. If there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor. When you love somebody, you don't want anything bad to happen to them. You don't want any ill or any harm to come to them, which includes them being judged. If you're judging someone, you're not loving them. If you're wanting somebody to pay for what they did... And you're not willing to forgive them. You're not willing to show them mercy. You want them to pay for what they did. Then you want ill and harm to come to them. And are not loving them. True? It's a choice. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Skip down to the 14th chapter. And the first verse, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified. 14.1, Amplified. He said, as for the man who is a weak believer. Now this is another way of saying somebody in a low estate. Where are weak believers going to be? Weak believers are going to be yielding to things they shouldn't be yielding to. Weak believers are not going to be receiving and doing things they should be doing. If we find ourselves by the grace of God stronger, not yielding to some of the stuff that some folks are, and doing better, how are we to deal with folks who are not doing as well? As for the man who's a weak believer, welcome him, but not to criticize or pass judgment on his scruples, or perplex him with discussions. Yeah, you can come, but we're going to grill you. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to paste you, nail you. Not our job. I said not our job. Does anybody know the New Testament commandment? Thou shalt straighten everyone out. As the Lord thy God helpeth thee. What? Huh? Huh? Straighten everybody out. Call everybody on their sins and problems. Point out to everybody their shortcomings. Because you have the gift of speck discernment. The ministry of moat finding. Come on, somebody needs to say that loud. That's not my job. It's not my job to seek for their faults, nor to find their faults, nor to judge them about it. Not my job. Not my job. Now, you don't have to tell them what they're doing is right. And you certainly don't have to get involved with wrong stuff with them. But you can still... Love them and care about them 
And help them any way you can. Keep reading the next several verses here. One man's faith permits him to believe he may eat anything. While a weaker one limits his eating to vegetables. Verse 3. Let not him who eats do what? Look down on or despise him who abstains. And let not him who abstains criticize and pass judgment on him who eats. For God has accepted and welcomed him. You know, Brother Copeland said years ago, Brother Kenneth Copeland, years ago the Lord revealed to him, he had asked him some questions in prayer about the biggest issues in the body of Christ. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, here's one of the biggest. Your dogged determination to correct one another. Your dogged determination to correct each other. Correct one another. We don't know the light our brother has. And if they don't see it, they don't see it. God's only holding them accountable for the light that they have. And so I'm just, you and I are just not qualified to judge because we'll never know exactly what's in their heart and what they see and what they don't. But we are commanded not to judge, which includes not looking down on, nor despising, nor criticizing. This describes judging. Looking down on. Looking down on. It is the sin of imagined superiority. Of imagined superiority. He said, verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on and censure another's household servant? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he shall stand and be upheld, for the master of the Lord is mighty to support him and make him stand. Verse 10, verse 10, why do you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you look down upon or despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. And so, verse 12, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Then let us no more criticize and blame and pass judgment on one another, but rather decide and endeavor never to put a stumbling block or an obstacle or hindrance in the way of a brother. Not my job to to judge you, nor criticize you. Even though it may be glaringly obvious that what you're doing is wrong, still not my job to judge you. If I love you, I want to help you. I don't want to see you judged. I don't want to see you punished. I don't want to see you hurt. How are they going to get what's coming to them? (laughs) How about you getting what's coming to you? If you don't want to get what was coming to you, then you don't want what was coming to them. Because if I judge them, I'm going to get judged. Ever how I have judged them. In the 15th chapter, 15 and 1, see this theme. We then that are strong are to do what? If we're blessed to a point where we're not yielding to some of those sins that they are. We're doing better. We're stronger than they are in some ways. What are we supposed to do? Bear with their weaknesses. Infirmity means weaknesses of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached you fell on me. Verse 7, wherefore, Receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Receive each other. Love each other. Be kind one to another. Forgiving one another, the scripture says. Go with me please to Luke 18. Luke 18. If we're going to receive more from the Lord, we're going to do more for the Lord. Be used 
to handle more light, more revelation, more power, more resources, it will only be by the grace of God. You believe that? He gives more grace. What we're able to do right now that's of benefit and good is by His grace. His ability, His favor, His strength, all those things are His grace. Who gets the grace? Only the humble. That's it. The proud get resisted. And so I can see glimpses of some things the Lord is doing with us on this series about not judging. He wants to give us more. He wants to use us more. He wants to put strong, great resources in our hands. He wants to bring us to a higher place of ability. Hallelujah. Does that bear witness with your spirit, saints? He wants to bring us to a higher place of ability. But there's a temptation. When you overcome, when you're really, the Lord's using you to do a lot, to look at other folks and think they're not doing much. To look at other folks and go, why are they still messing with that? Still yielding to that. That's judging. That's looking down on. That's despising. And if you do, you're capped right there. You no longer qualify for greater grace. That's yielding to pride. Because whether you admit it or not, to some degree, you're acting like you did this with your efforts, your abilities, your energies. And it's just not true. I said it's not true. God gave it to you. I said he gave it to you. On a platter. Spoon fed most of it to you. And he could be using somebody else instead of you. That's the truth. Humility is just staying in reality. Staying in the truth. Not getting in a fog of believing lies about puffed up things about yourself. That's just not true. And if we're walking on a, in a place that's higher than some other folks are in an area, it is only by the grace of God. Is that right? Only by the grace of God. And if we see somebody that's doing more poorly, weaker, our desire should be to help them. We don't want to see them judged. Do we? In Luke 18, verse 9. 18.9, Jesus spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and did what? Despised others. We're doing so good and they are just messing up everywhere. This is a feeling of superiority. And it's ugly in the eyes of God. Because you have to believe a lie that I pulled myself up to here. And you didn't. You were carried up there. (laughs) Verse 10. Jesus said two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus With himself. God. I thank thee. That I'm what? That I'm what? What's he thanking God for? He's not like other people. Well if he's not like other people. What's he like? In his own mind. He is so far Superior to all these other pitiful folks. I thank you. I'm not like other men are. Extortioners. Unjust. Adulterers. Or even like this publican. 
This is a guy that's in church with him over here. Tax collector. Thank you, I'm not like that. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The Bible said, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He's not seeking God's glory, but his own. The publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote on his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Humility is honest. And humility gets grace. Come on, can you see this? Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Then which one? The Pharisee that thinks he's so great actually left church, we might say, unchanged, unbenefited. He made no progress. He thinks he's so far advanced and so superior. And the truth is, the guy he despises made great strides spiritually and had a breakthrough. That's right. While he got nothing. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. And he that humbles himself shall be exalted. We're talking about judging. Did this Pharisee judge this publican? Yeah, he did. How did it come out? He saw himself as superior, and he looked down on him and despised him and was disgusted with him. Listen to the the Wiest translation. It says, the Pharisee, having assumed a stance and uttering these things in prayer to himself. He's praying to who? To himself. <laughs> the Lord reveals he ain't even talking to God. God's not even hearing him. His special prayer. I hope he's enjoying it. Because <laughs> this is all he's going to get out of it. And of course, I'm, I'm sure he's hoping other people can hear it too. He assumed a stance. Holy stance. And he uttered these things in prayer to himself. Oh God, I'm so grateful I'm not even as the rest of mankind. Oh boy. Is this thinking more highly of yourself than what you ought to, than what is true? I'm not an extortioner. Thank God. Not an adulterer. Oh, thank God. I'm not like this guy over here. Tax collector. These folks make me sick. Now, why am I talking about this? Have you ever heard anybody say these kind of things? What are they doing? They are judging. What's going to happen? They're going to get judged. Is that bad? Oh, it's it's about as bad as it gets in the slide. That means the enemy can get access to you. And if he can, he's not going to hesitate. He's going to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Today's English version says, The Pharisee stood apart by himself and prayed, I thank you, God. I'm not greedy. I'm not dishonest. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like everybody else. (laughs) You ever heard anybody say that? I guess I'm not like other people. Honey, you're a whole lot like other people. You is other people. (laughs) Not like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. You are too. I thank you that I'm not like a tax collector over there. Listen to Isaiah 65.1. You don't have to go there. Isaiah 65, 1. And we have an exact response of what God thinks about this. He said, I am salt of them that ask not for me. I'm found of them that sought me not. 
I said, behold me, behold me to a nation that was not called by my name. Keep reading. I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people, which walk in a way not good after their own thoughts. A people that provokes me to anger continually to my face. Sacrifice in gardens and burn incense upon altars of brick. Remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments. Eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their vessels. And they say, stand by yourself and come not near me, for I am holier than you. Now, do they have stuff in their life that's not right? He just got through describing all kind of stuff in their personal life that was contrary to the law he had given them. And yet, what do they say? They stand by their self. That's what that Pharisee was doing. He, he assumed the stance. He's in the position. And the publican, he wouldn't even get close. He was way off in the corner. But he smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, the, when he said, I'm, I'm holier than you. I'm holier than you. This describes the conviction of the one judging. And you have to be a hypocrite to do this. But it is an act of assumed superiority and despising of the other. I'm holier than you. The Lord said, these are a smoke in my nose. You ever had smoke go up your nose? What does it do to you? Oh, man. Woo. God said, that's what these people are like to me. They are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burns all the day, a smoke in my nose. The Lord feels very strongly about this. I don't want him to take what I'm doing as a smoke in his nose. Do you? Yes, sir. I don't want him to hear what I'm saying, see what I'm doing, and him go, oh, that's the opposite of a sweet smell of a fragrance and aroma that he would receive. This is ugly in the eyes of God, isn't it? This assuming a place of superiority. Go with me to James. James 2 and 4. And it's going to get close to home now. I thought it was already close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's going to come on in and sit down at the table now. James 2, 4. He said, are you not partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? I need to back up. I need back up to verse 1. What's he talking about? My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with what? Respect of persons. Keep going. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in a poor man in vile raiment, which would be stinking clothes, dirty, smelly, verse 3, and you have respect to them that wears the gay, the nice clothes. And you say, you sit over here in the good place. And you say to the poor, you stand over there, uh, way over there. And you sit under my footstool. You sit on the floor, no seat for you. Even though you got here early. We have to give somebody else your seat. Are you not partial in yourselves and you've become what? Judges of evil thoughts. Why? Categorizing people. Categorizing people. Good people, bad people. Can you see this? That's judging. We don't have to categorize people. We don't have to make any judgment on how well they're doing. Or if they're worthy of this or worthy of that. Keep reading. Verse 5. My beloved, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom which he's promised to them that love him? We must not judge according to appearances. Some people that look like to, to the undiscerning that they're doing so great have got some bad stuff in their life that you just don't know about. Yep. Right. These folks that don't look so good, they may have more faith and love the Lord more than these. Right. 
How would you know? You don't. So don't try to make any calls or categorize people based on what you're seeing and hearing. He said, but you have what? Despised them. Don't the rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Skip on down. Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? You see people in churches. Because somebody's famous or somebody's rich, they come to visit. They give them the prominent seats. They treat them with all this importance. Just because they're a big thing in the world don't mean they're anything in the church. Or anything in the kingdom of God. And if they don't love God, what are you showing them honor and respect above somebody else for? Show honor to them to whom honor is due. And on these folk, there's no honor due them in the things of God. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you shall do well. But if you you respect persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Keep reading. Four. Now here's the light. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. What's he saying? Here's the thing. Why folks have felt justified in feeling superior. I've made mistakes, but I've never done that. And I could never do that. I would never do that. This is the big mistake that's being made. Categorizing of people and categorizing of sin. Yeah, I've missed it, but you know, little sins, you know. Not that big of a deal. But that. I mean I've never done that. And that's disgusting. (laughs) But he just got through saying. If you say. I've never committed adultery. Never. I've killed some folks. Yeah they. (laughs) But they had it coming. But adultery, that disgusts me. How is a murderer superior to an adulterer? And yet, that's how people are able to completely ignore a beam. Come on, can you see this in their own eye? Because they have categorized. And they're saying, yeah, now this, you know, I, I mean, it's not the best. I know that. But it's not that. But in the eyes of the Lord, it is. You may live in heaven next door to somebody who on the earth was a pedophile. Oh, it got quiet then, didn't it? You said, I'm moving. No. (laughs) No. No, you're not. Because they won't be then. And if they repented and God forgave them. The reason I bring that up is because people look into a lot. You know, I've done some stuff, but I ain't never done that. And I could never. You're kidding yourself. Someone said, no, I could. Listen, you're not acknowledging the nature of the flesh. Any one of us can start yielding to the flesh. Any one of us. I mean, the only way, and don't, don't raise your hand, just, just listen. How many people in this room have yielded to something sexually they shouldn't have? I said, just look straight ahead, don't. <laughs> well, that's what they did. In nature, it's the same. The nature of what it is. You knew it was wrong. 
But you did it anyway. That's what they did. I'm not minimizing the lives that are damaged and hurt. Sin is terrible. But to act superior and say, I never have, is a lie. You've done the same thing in nature, the nature of it. And how is a murderer superior to an adulterer? Can you see what he was saying? Maybe you didn't miss it in that specific area, but you missed it over here. And if you broke the law, you broke the law. Sin is sin. You knew what to do, you didn't do it. You knew what not to do, you did it anyway. So to say I could never do that is a lie you already have. You already have. And don't underestimate the nature of the flesh. The eyes of man are not satisfied. And if you start down that path and start yielding, you you might say, I'd never be a drunk in a gutter. It could happen a lot quicker than you think. Take a little drink today, a little more tomorrow, a little more next month. Used to be a six-pack. Now it's a fifth. Now it's two. And these things can just snowball. And you can find yourself doing things, being involved in things you never imagined you would. And it's killing you on the inside. But your flesh is just running away because you're letting it. You let it get to that point. Sexually, people, they despise other folks. But all you got to do is start yielding some today. Flirting with somebody. Having an affair. Do it some more and... The flesh is never satisfied. It's always looking for something more exciting and, yeah. and something that will challenge me more. And, and so then you experiment with this and then you experiment with that. And next thing you know, you're in places with people and doing things you never yes. thought you would get to that place. So if you and I didn't get to that place, it's good. Nobody ever has to. But we understand, we should, if you're going to be honest, by the grace of God, yes. it's only by the grace of God right. we never went that far. That's right. That's right. Because every one of us went part of the way. Yeah. Talk to these folks over here a little bit. Every one of us went part of the way. Maybe not as far as they did. Maybe not in that area, but in some area. Right? Come on, can you see this? And this thing about I would never, I could never, you are believing lies. You're believing lies. The flesh, there's only one thing to do with it. Nail it to the tree. Crucify it. Your flesh and mine will do anything you let it do. And it will get so bad until it's just, it'll ruin your life. Ruin your testimony. The only thing to do is to grab it and crucify it and say, no, we're not even starting down that road so we never get in the ditch like that. But when we see somebody that didn't stop, that kept yielding and it kept going down, 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 down. Do not believe lies about yourself that that could never have happened to you. You were on your way at one time. Tell the truth. Acknowledge the truth. And look with kindness on them. And with mercy. Is that right? It's somebody's baby. Is that right? Some mother's child. Some daddy's boy or girl. Is that right? And you don't want to see them judged? No matter how bad they have done. I mean, will God forgive all sin? Is the blood of Christ powerful enough to cleanse from all, even the most distorted, perverted, murder? Huh? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. And there's going to be folks all in heaven that were murderers down here. Liars and thieves, rapists, pedophiles. Yeah. But all things have passed away. All things have become new. 
Washed by the blood of the Lamb. Clean. You believe it or not? Well, if God can forgive them, why can't we? If he'll receive them, why can't we? He won't receive their sin, but he'll receive them. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to be like that Pharisee, do you? I'm not like other men. That's a stink in God's nose. I don't want to be a stink in God's nose. Anything I do to be that. John 8, 1. John 8, 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. She was caught having sex in the bed, wherever, with somebody else's husband, multiple witnesses. The evidence is abundant and clear. They have already found her guilty and are ready to carry out the sentence of the law, which is death. Judged, found guilty, ready to punish her. Is she guilty? Apparently so. Verse 5. Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, so they, they just they badgered him. What about it, preacher? The law, the word says stoner. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Here's this poor dear. I don't even know if she's clothed properly. Over there huddled, crying. Talk about embarrassing. Humiliating. And when they continued, he lifted up himself and he looked them in the eye. He said, he that's without sin among you can throw the first rock. And he stooped down and continued writing on the ground. Now, have they set themselves up superior to this woman? Oh, yeah. Are they loving her? No. Are they wanting to show her mercy? No, they're wanting to judge her. They're wanting her to be, to have another opportunity. No, they want her killed. They want her judged. They're acting like they have not sinned. They have forgotten, conveniently, their failures and shortcomings and mistakes. And Jesus brings this to their attention. Now, you're ready to judge her for her sin. He's not saying she didn't sin. He's not saying what she did was okay. But he's saying, what about you? This is the thing we must do every time we're tempted to judge somebody else. We must discipline ourselves to say, what about me? What about me? I'm all upset with them. I want to, I'm ready to judge them. What about me? And then this is where you're made or broken here. If you're going to play games and act proudly, you'll act like you don't know how much you've messed up. But if you'll be honest and humble... You'll say in a hurry, hey, I got no stones to throw. I have messed up so bad so many times. I'm not candidate to stone anybody. Verse 9, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out. One by one, beginning at the eldest, they lived longer, made more mistakes. (laughs) They left first. Even to the last And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. What caused them from being adamant about judging her to completely do a 180 and shut up and leave? What what caused them? They considered themselves. Come on, can you see this? And judged themselves and they had to walk away right now. But they were ready to kill her. 
Is that right? Five minutes before. Verse 10. Jesus lifted up himself and he saw none but the woman. They're all gone. And he said to her, woman, where is your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. What what do you think is going through her heart and mind right now? She thinks for sure she's about to die in such (laughs) embarrassment. And Jesus looked at her. She still don't know what he's going to say and do. And he says, neither do I condemn you. The one who could condemn her, who had no sin, said, I choose not to. Go and sin no more. Just don't get back into it. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Then Jesus spoke to him and said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness. But he will have the light of life. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. Galatians 6, verse 1 in the Amplified. 6, 1 in the Amplified. Brethren, if any person's overtaken in a misconduct or a sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, if you're spiritual, this is what you'll do. Set him right. Restore him, reinstate him without any sense of superiority. Can you see this? Hallelujah. This will win the world. When people know that you live so much better life than they do. And you are a holy person and you live a righteous life. And yet they know they can come to you and talk to you about anything, and you won't despise them. You won't look down on them. You won't just write them off and shun them. This is the law of Christ. That's what he goes on to say. Bear one another's burdens and troublesome faults, and in this way fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ. For if any person think himself to be somebody... Too important to condescend to another's load. When he's nobody of superiority except in his own estimation. He deceives, deludes, cheats himself. Let every person carefully scrutinize, examine, and test his own conduct. Is this judging yourself? He can then have personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. Thank God. It's a load off for you when you realize I don't have to judge you. Not my job. And the mercy flows and the love flows and whatever you sow, friend, is coming back to you. You're being kind to people. You're showing mercy. You're forgiving. You're not being bitter. And so any obstacle that comes up in your life, grace just flows into you. And people are favorable to you. And you overcome and overcome and overcome. Wise people, when tempted to judge, show mercy and set themselves up for mercy in the future. If you show no mercy, you'll get judgment without mercy, James says. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands. Close your eyes. Pray this prayer with me. If you mean it, if you're sincere in your heart about it. Sit out loud, Father, forgive me. Forever thinking of myself more highly than I should. Holding myself above others, thinking I'm superior, despising others, looking down on others. This is wicked. I judge it. Forgive me for it, I ask. And I purpose, as you help me, to do so no more. Thank you. You've been gracious to me. I must be gracious to others. 
You've forgiven me. I must forgive others. You've been kind to me. I will be kind to others. You've allowed me opportunity to serve you again. I will allow others opportunity. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.